Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Episode 71 of Victory Road, a Pokemon podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. It's now time to catch them all with your host. I'm Doug, also known as Ikibuli, and I am not here alone, but you're only hearing me at the moment because Kyle is taking care of his kiddo. I've got the keys again, everybody. It's been a while, but I've got the keys. To listen to this show, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your podcasts, and be sure to leave us a rating and review if you can on any of those platforms, because if you like what we do here, somebody else will too, and that helps them find us. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit revengelover.com. Calm. And like I said, I'm not alone. I have a guest here. Um, he has guest co-hosted with me before uh, when we were talking about Sword and Shield when it first released, which kind of a while ago. It's longer than I realized. It's Josh, aka Talking Tanuki. How's it going, Josh? Hey, I'm good. How are you? Not too bad. I uh, I can't believe that it has been that long since Sword and Shield came out. It's been well over a year at this point. Um, and I, yeah. I don't think it feels that way, but I guess, I guess that's what quarantine does to time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I guess since it's been a while, uh, since we talked, I guess just in general, anything sort of new in the realm of Pokemon with you that's been happening recently or anything you've been dipping into or diving into recently? So I played both of the, uh, expansion packs for it, the DLC. Ah, those uh those definitely added to the game which was fun yeah that's perfect because last time we talked like i said we talked about sword and shield so i guess yeah let's let's chat a little bit about those because i would love to hear what you thought about them you and i haven't talked about those all that much so um you did play both of them right i did what did you think of the isle of armor and the urshifu stuff and everything that was going on with that so I definitely enjoyed it. Um, it was it was nice to have extra content, no matter what it is. Mm-hmm. It was it was definitely a little short. I, I definitely ran through it very quickly. Yeah, but I did like how they added more Pokemon to the game itself. Yeah, yeah, I like that too. I like the environment of it as well. I think uh, I think I underestimated how much I missed having a tropical element after uh, <laughs> after Alola. <laughs> So I liked that, uh, but I, I agree. I felt like that first bit of the expansion was was really short, even though I did like the story and I liked sort of the concept and what they were doing with it. Um, yeah, it definitely felt a little bit short, but it was nice to have more stuff to collect. Yeah, and I, I also liked the characters they introduced in it. Yes, yes. You know what I realized <laughs> on a recent episode? Uh, we were talking, Kyle and I were talking about, what were we talking about? I think it was, it might've been Journeys. I don't really know, but there was some character in uh i think maybe kalos that was called oh it was another condiment name and he also had like wild eyebrows so now i'm just wondering like is this going to be a staple in pokemon lore moving forward like just the condiment the old man condiment guys yeah maybe just like the tree professors (laughs) yeah exactly exactly tree professors and condiment senseis (laughs) (laughs) 
but uh yeah i like that stuff too um and i thought it was a it was a cool cool addition and i love that you know you can have your your pokemon follow you around and stuff out there that is always a plus oh yeah they should never get rid of that i know i know i agree for sure crown tundra what did you think of the crown tundra uh, I loved it, honestly. Um, yes. While the, sto- the story wasn't necessarily the most immersive thing, yeah. um, the the fact that you now have um, um, Dynamax Adventures yes. adds, a, adds a lot to the game, in my opinion. I fully, fully, fully agree. I think the Dynamax Adventures were such a, a wonderful... I, I, hard to say surprise, because I feel like we knew there was something in that realm happening, but right. I do think I was surprised at how deep they feel as far as like replayability and how much they sort of transformed the raid sort of mechanics which when you and i talked i remember talking about like they i wish that there was something slightly different about this Um, and i feel like this was such a nice tweak to the formula yeah it almost feels like a a mini game within the game Mm -hmm. yeah because you have to you have to anticipate what you're a not opponents like your allies are doing and you have to make decisions together without fully being able to communicate with one another if you're playing totally online which is equal parts frustrating when it doesn't go right and rewarding when it does (laughs) absolutely (laughs) so i actually really like that a lot i haven't finished collecting everything from those but it's nice because i feel like i can easily drop into the game and do a few of those and i feel very satisfied yeah, and the fact that they changed the shiny mechanics for those in particular is yeah. kind of cool. Um, it's not 100% reliable that you'll get what you want, but it definitely makes it a lot better than it was in the past. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I like that a lot, too. Continuing their uh, more accessible longevity sort of vibe that they went with with Sword and Shield, so I appreciate that. Absolutely. What did you think of, I know you said the story wasn't, wasn't super great, but what did you think about what they did with that, if, if much at all? Um, so it was okay, but the, the only thing is like weird. It almost felt just like, um, fetch quests the whole time. Yeah. Like you had, you had to go here to plant the carrot or whatever, and then go back here. And then you talk back to the legendary again and just, it was fine for what it was, yeah. but it just, it wasn't much in my opinion. You know what I thought was weird about it? If you explored the region or the area first, then it wasn't even fully a fetch quest because you could literally fly from place to place. So it's not like you even use the tasks to learn about the area. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's not like you uncovered anything if you decided to explore first. And I think that's something they'll have to figure out if they continue to incorporate these wild area-like elements. Which, you know, that's another thing we talked about is are they going to bring this into the future generations? I feel like the expansions sort of make me feel very much more confident that they will. Mm Mm-hmm. They just have to figure out how to balance that piece of it, where if it's meant to be explored, how do you manage that with the story you're telling so that one doesn't take away from the other? Right. It's a, it, You can't have it both ways. You either have yeah. the open world or you have the Snorlax blocking the room. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I feel like the main story did a decent job blocking off areas based on levels, but at this point, presumably you aren't locked by levels anymore. So you can freely roam and freely explore without feeling worried. So I don't know how yep. they combat that, but I'm I'm sure they'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. The only thing that really kind of locked you was if you um, hadn't beat the champion yet, 
when mm-hmm. you faced Calyrex, you actually can't face him until you beat the champion. Yeah, I was kind of surprised to hear that because I think Kyle was doing sort of like an experiment to see how much he could do from a brand new file. Mm-hmm. And he was, I, we were both surprised at how much he could do, but I was also surprised based on how much he could do that he wasn't able to challenge Calyrex at all. Yep. Kind of a weird threshold to be like, you can do everything except the very last thing. <laughs> yeah, it's... It, <laughs> It's kind of weird because, like, what makes that almost too powerful for you, but everything else is fine? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I will say Calyrex was much more of a challenge than I expected. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, weird weird place to, to decide that is the thing that's too much. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> well, what other – is there anything else that you've been getting into as far as uh, Pokemon stuff lately? So I, I play the Pokemon TCG mm-hmm. all the time. Um, obviously, with the state of the world – can't really play in person anymore yeah Um, pokemon and even the community at whole has been doing a lot of um online tournaments with the ptcgo client the online trading card game nice just this past weekend i'm a to tournament organizer and professor Mm -hmm. so i ran a pokemon team challenge which is like their current one they're having which was pretty fun you play online against each other and the winner um wins that qualifier and it moves on it's it's very weird the way they're setting it up but um they're very new to these type of tournaments so it's cool it's cool they're doing something for the tcg fan base during this time cool i i want to dip more into that in a bit because i i want to talk more about tcg in general because one of the things that i learned about you first when we were talking about you know what your your sort of pokemon origin story was was that the trading card game had stuck with you along the way and that you were still involved with that so um, yep. I'm very curious about some of that stuff, but before we deep dive into to more of that stuff, um, there's a bit of news if you would like to talk about a little bit of news. Of course. So there's not a ton going on because I wouldn't have expected them to do a whole bunch of big stuff over the holidays. I know some folks were expecting a big announcement for New Year's. That wasn't what people expected. <laughs> I know people <laughs> were expecting a big announcement at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That also wasn't as big a thing as people expected. Uh, I don't think we're going to get big announcements in conjunction with holidays and stuff. I think no. I think they're going to try to find a stage that they can own entirely on their own instead of sharing it with a holiday. So sit back, everybody. It'll happen eventually, but it's not, not happening until things die down a little bit. But there is a little bit of stuff going on, so we may as well mention those. Anime news, nothing huge here, but the first season of... The Advanced series, the Ruby and Sapphire series, has been added to Pokemon TV. We've mentioned this before, but they kind of cycle seasons. So if you're somebody who uses Pokemon TV to watch Pokemon, that's now available. I'm actually excited about that because I didn't watch a whole lot of that generation of the anime. It's kind of where I fell off, so I might actually might actually dip into that a little bit. Did you I don't I don't remember. Do you watch the anime? Do you keep up with the anime at all? So I definitely watch it, but I, I watch it in spurts almost. Sure. I won't watch it for a long time, and then I'll just watch it all at once. <laughs> um, I think that's actually a good strategy, personally. Yeah. I, I think I get more of the story that way, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know that Pokemon... I, there are some shows that I'm happy to wait a week for because I like for the dis- I like to be involved in the discussion or for the discussion to sort of simmer for a little bit. And then there are other shows that I'd rather just wait for a little bit and then watch in a batch. 
Tokusatsu shows are very much like that for me. I'd rather watch like five episodes at a time of that. Pokemon yep. is like that where I'd rather just like sit down and watch a huge chunk of it and kind of get, like you said, a whole bunch of story at once. Pokemon definitely falls under under that category. <laughs> yeah. Also, the first couple episodes of Pokemon Journeys have been added to Pokemon TV, which I think is worth mentioning, if only because the only other place that's been available is Netflix. So I was surprised to see it drop on Pokemon TV, but I'm happy too, because Pokemon TV is totally free as long as you have access to the internet. So I hope that they continue to add episodes of Journey there, because that's really, really good. Have you been watching that one? Um, I've watched probably about the first five episodes or so, but sure. I, I definitely want to keep going with it because uh, I liked it. It's so good. I'm I I hate to say I'm surprised because it, it definitely indicates that I don't think Pokemon is like the best show. <laughs> uh, but I like Pokemon, so I watch it anyway. So it's like a it's a it's a cherry on top, I think, for Pokemon to do its storytelling and its stories really really well and i think pokemon journeys has done that and i think it recently they've been doing that i think alola does a lot of really cool stuff i haven't watched much x and y but i hear that they did really cool stuff there too but uh journeys has been phenomenal yeah i think journeys is the best thing they've done in a while i'm not saying anything has been horrible lately but i think journeys is the best yeah i would agree with that i would agree with that assessment for sure it definitely feels like they set out to do something different a bit of Pokemon Go news. Uh, we have, I guess we're in the middle of like a long-term event. I admittedly don't play Pokemon Go very much anymore because I don't go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've I've not been great at keeping up with it. So we're in the middle of an event. I guess it's sort of like a countdown event to a bigger event. So they're yes. doing like these little mini events leading up to a big Kanto event, which I know... A lot of folks aren't thrilled for because we've had more Kanto events than anything else. But I guess there's a big Kanto event coming up in February. And so leading up to that, they've been kind of counting down through the generations. By the time this episode drops, the Unova event will already have ended and will be, I think, uh, just about ready to start the Sinnoh event, which I'm actually excited about because... Gen 4 in general is just exciting all the time now because everybody feels very like thirsty for Gen 4 and I feel like I'm caught up in that. So I'm excited for the Sinnoh event to see what what all that will entail. I think for the most part, it's just more Sinnoh stuff. (laughs) Yeah, I'm always game for more Sinnoh just because that was the one generation I kind of lacked in my in the fandom. Sure. So anytime I see any Sinnoh now, I'm excited because it is the most fresh to me because I wasn't 100% there for it. Yeah. So so remake games would be like perfect for you. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Which like, I, I'm not really on the train of like, anytime anything comes out, everybody's like, oh, remakes confirmed. Yeah. Um, but when they do confirm it eventually, which I'm sure they will eventually. Yeah. Um, I'll love it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I have, my official position on the podcast has been... You know, I don't think it's going to happen, but I would be lying to myself if at this point I said I genuinely didn't believe it was going to happen. I feel like it's going to happen. I just don't know when, and I don't think they, as much as people find what they're calling evidence for it, I don't think they've indicated at all that it's going to happen. So I just, I don't ever really know how to feel because I'm like, they really haven't hinted at it in any official capacity uh, despite what the internet says, but I would just be shocked if it didn't happen. Will it come soon? I don't know. Right. But as a as a business, the Pokemon company sees all these people that want it. Why wouldn't they give it to them eventually? 
at this point right exactly right. like it's all anyone's talked about probably since gosh i mean probably before well very strongly since omega ruby and alpha sapphire but right. i do feel like it's been a discussion forever at least it feels like it's been Right. And and I get it because I feel like that that region and that generation offers a lot more than I think the limitations of the DS allowed. And I I have to imagine that whatever they would do for a remake would just feel like a spectacle in the best way. Right. Yeah, we're getting to the point where everything is just going to look like a Switch game. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I just actually recently started playing Pokemon Alpha nope i always get these names mixed up i just (laughs) recently started playing pokemon omega ruby for the first time i've actually never played it and one of the reasons i hadn't played it was because the remakes for a long time haven't been for a while but for a long time to me felt like nothing more than remakes i was like well i've played those games so if i get around to it i'll play the remake if i don't no big deal but omega ruby and alpha sapphire are always talked about as great games. And a big part of that is because they transformed what those games were to basically be new games, just in a familiar setting. And I have to imagine that a gen four remake would do that even further. And just like imagining what they could do with the legendaries of that region, uh, really open up all sorts of really cool possibilities. Yeah. Each time they did a remake, whether it was, you know, uh, leaf green fire red or heart yeah. gold soul silver or even um ruby and sapphire they just updated it to be as almost it came out on that generation yeah why wouldn't they do the same thing with Sinnoh? oh my gosh and it would be such it'd be such a huge deal because it would be the first remake made in a completely different like i know each one was updated to be part of that generation but i do feel like any game that they remake in the sword and shield style is going to feel like such a big huge deal because it'll yeah. it'll be the first game remade in really like a completely different style. Right. Uh, because we didn't get remakes during Gen 7 and that was kind of a new style for the game, but we didn't, you know, we didn't apply in, that to uh, a former generation, so. Yep. We'll see, we will see. Anyway, I was talking about Pokemon Go, um, but <laughs> at this point, it's it's almost impossible to mention Sinnoh without speculating, so <laughs> that was our little detour down that. The Sinnoh event is running from January 12th to 17th, so I, uh, I have to correct myself. It should already be happening when this episode drops. Also, the January Community Day will happen in that same range. It'll be happening on January 16th. It'll feature Machop, which was one of the Pokemon that lost the February 2020 community day poll to Rhyhorn and uh, I guess they they decided they would bring it back anyway <laughs> I guess you know everybody's got to get featured eventually if they're in the if they're in the Kanto region so why not <laughs> right and when they do those polls they see how many people vote for each one you know? yeah totally so if he if this per, if this Pokemon got a lot of votes anyways why not right exactly you could you could pretty much expect every second place Pokemon to make it Right. And if there was enough hype for any of the others in general, or if it was even close, then yeah, they're they're gonna show up. It it looks like a pretty standard community day for the most part. It does there will be some special research for a buck like they've been doing recently. Uh so if you're interested in that, that'll be happening again. And of course, as always, if you evolve Machoke during the event, it'll get a special move. This time it'll be payback and you'll get some perks like Triple Stardust and I think there are some other things too, but Pretty standard, nothing nothing out of the ordinary for this upcoming community day. 
Do you still play much Pokemon Go? I actually play it every day. Oh, uh, nice. But I usually just catch a couple Pokemon, spin a stop, and that's about it. Sure. Yeah. I wish that my apartment were in range of a stop. I think I would feel a bit more compelled to to do exactly that. Just sort of like open it up, catch a few things, spin for my, you know, daily spin and call it a day. Although what I should be doing, honestly, is using it as an excuse to get out of my apartment. Maybe that's maybe that'll be my motivation moving forward. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, um, you know, I have to work in person for my job. So I'm I'm out out and about all day anyways. Yeah, I, I imagine that once I have to be, I will be back to playing it every day. Uh, yeah. I think the go aspect of it really, really is a is a key component for me. So yeah. we'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. A couple couple gaming things. Nothing huge. Just like you know, sort of in line with with uh, the other categories here. There are two days left to get the Pikachu Kibo in Sword and Shield. This is the Pikachu that was dropped in conjunction with the International Space Station Augmented Reality New Year's event which I didn't watch, but I wish I had. And I'm sure I could go back and watch it because it seemed like a really cool thing. Did you see this or catch any of this? I didn't actually. And I meant to, but I just I just spaced it. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> I like that pun, though. <laughs> I uh, I didn't really, I wasn't paying attention to it leading up. And I saw stuff after the fact and was like, oh, man, I wish I had caught that. What a cool thing to do. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I don't know. I like that, and it it felt so sincere, which I appreciate. I feel like, uh, I feel like uh, we're a little too cynical on this side of the ocean, maybe, to do stuff like that and not not have it feel cheesy. So I, I appreciate right. that they did that. And then, if you are keeping up with the raid battles in Sword and Shield, normal and dragon type are the theme this month. Not really sure what if that's supposed to be a theme or what, but normal and dragon <laughs> are the are the, the types. So. I think uh, Snorlax is back, and Duraludon, which I only learned how to say through the anime, as I do so many other Pokemon, <laughs> but happy to know I'm saying it correctly now. <laughs> yeah, I think um, the, the squirrel Pokemon is back, too. I can't, why can't Scorbit? Oh, nice. Yeah, 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 yeah. Perfect, perfect. Do, do you know if that will also have the increased shiny rate, if... if if that's part of the I believe so, hit. but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Because I love, love, love that Pokemon. <laughs> and I really want a shiny. <laughs> I think it's the I think it's the exact same raid as we got for him before. Perfect. Cool. I will have to hop back on more frequently to to try to get that. I guess I should ask you this. Is there any sort of TCG news? Kyle and I typically aren't super duper tapped in, but if we have somebody who is, we may as well ask is there any sort of tcg stuff on the horizon um something big for tcg is the the players cup three coming up very soon that's happening for both v- all vgc tcg and um pokin tournament actually this Ooh, time nice. too so i believe right now if you sign into your ptcgo account between certain dates which i believe i have right here uh between october 18th and january 18th as long as you sign in and you have a player ID um, associated with your account, they'll actually give you these tournament keys when the tournament starts. And the way it works is the online tournaments, you use these keys to play in, and then it adds up points based on how you, well you do in those tournaments. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you move on to the next round. That starts J- January 26th. So that's pretty much open to anybody who already has an account? As long as you have a player's ID and okay. you and you asso- it's associated with your PTCGO account. 
Huh. So if you go on Pokemon.com and your screen name is associated with how you logged in, you're good to go. Wow, that's really that's really cool. I had no idea that's how that worked. <laughs> it's it's super easy, honestly. That's really really awesome. Okay, nice. And when it when about is that that happening? Like the actual sort of like uh, competitive window. So the tournament uh, runs from January 26th to February 26th. That's okay. the qualifier round. Sure. Um, whoever has the the most points using those tournament keys moves on to the next round. Nice. Okay. Cool. How do they? How do they like track that? Like, do you have to play on camera? Do you like? <laughs> uh, so I guess it's sort of an honor system sure. on that end. Um, you know, you log into the account under your name, uh-huh. um, and you play under your name. Yeah. So I guess it's whoever's associated with that screen name. And I guess you you would get found out, and then you just wouldn't qualify. I guess that's right. I guess that's the stakes. <laughs> but I was just curious with with like online competition like that. Yeah, you you know you have to play for yourself. You're not really supposed to be coached during it and stuff. Sure. Um, there, there's rules around it. Um, I guess a lot of it falls under honor system, honestly, because no one's at my house with me besides me. Of know? course. <laughs> but it's it's for fun. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just play for fun. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure I'm sure most most if not everybody does. I was just curious because I I've dabbled a little bit in in that, not competitively by any stretch, but just like the interface or whatever, just to see kind of how that worked and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But man, that's really cool. I had no idea that, that that was sort of how they did qualifying. That's really awesome. Is it yeah, because cool. things are virtual now or is it, is this yes. kind of always how qualifying works? No. Um, this So this is player cup, players cup three. Um, they did two and in, in one before this, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and these came about because of um, everyone essentially being quarantined. Sure. It was kind of, Pokemon was in a weird spot where we haven't had actual tournaments in close, coming up on a year now. So it's one of those things where I think they just want to keep everybody engaged. So they started yeah. doing things like this. Sure. Which they're cool. You know what I mean? They, these are good in the meantime. It'll never replace sitting across a table from somebody for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is a great way to people keep people engaged in the meantime. Yeah, totally. And and I I like that it probably has opened up the sort of competitive aspect to people who might not have considered it otherwise and hopefully that will transition them once once it's possible into the sort of in-person stuff that they might not have considered otherwise absolutely this is this is actually huge um, for someone like me because i have a young son i have a wife i have a full-time job so i don't necessarily get to travel around go to a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. these online tournaments like the official pokemon ones and even some put on by the community as a whole um, i can play in a lot more of them yeah so I've been playing for a long time and I don't necessarily get to go to Worlds every year because, you know, I got to work or I have something to do that weekend. But stuff like this, I can just do it at my house. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no, that, that makes perfect sense. I, there's definitely like an accessibility aspect to having everything virtual, which is really cool. Obviously, it's probably not a realistic model forever, uh, right. but I wonder if they will consider like a hybrid model for the future, because I do imagine that it's probably a lot more accessible to a lot more people this way. Absolutely. But uh, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> I guess that's the <laughs> case for pretty much everything until we get on the other side of this thing. Right. And then the last bit of news before we dive more into the trading card game, because I'm very curious about some stuff. I feel like it, we would be remiss not to mention the thing Pokemon related that sort of actually broke the the sort of like niche bubble. Not that Pokemon is niche, but... It, it hit mainstream in a way that, that things don't always. 
the Gengar hybrid pillow blanket plush <laughs> from Premium Bandai. I need one, but I can't have one because they sold out like immediately and they're very expensive. <laughs> yeah. Like I I love I love this kind of stuff because it's so like off the beaten path. Yeah. It's so funny. <laughs> Because they, they've come up with a couple of things lately. They had that, and then they had the Metapod um, that you could get yep. inside of. Um, <laughs> and then the, the life-size Appleton. And, like, yep. I just, I love it all. And, and I wish we had more of it here. Yes, exactly. Yeah, if, if somehow you didn't see this, it is a premium Bandai product. It is a Gengar pillow. That's the first thing to think of. Think of a Gengar that is a pillow. But it is also kind of a blanket slash, like, sleeping mat. Because it has a massive tongue that rolls out like a sleeping mat. So then it, it you sleep on the tongue and then it leaves its mouth open and you can put your head in the mouth. Like it's just, <laughs> it's so goofy. And I love that, that every time they release a product like this, they always show like a guy in a business suit, like engaging with it somehow. So it's always like just some random like seemingly ordinary guy in a suit who's like sleeping with his head inside a Gengar or sitting inside of a Metapod. Like it's just like the goofiest thing. Those photos are my favorite thing. Cause like, <laughs> it looks like he was just like working at this corporation. It was just like, Oh, I got a couple minutes to take a nap and just stuck his head in a Gengar. Like, <laughs> yes, it's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, and I hope somebody does that somewhere in their place of work and everybody loves it. It's just, it's the funniest thing. I want one so bad and, uh, maybe someday I'll be able to have one sort of as a collector's item, but, uh, I, I'm not expecting to, I just, they, it blew up that day and, uh, and they all, they all, they all got snatched up. So (laughs) yeah, those are, maybe they'll do another release of it, but. Dang it! What if it's so funny? Yeah, like you said, more products like that. They're just they're so wonderful and sincere and goofy, and and I love them. <laughs> yeah, over in Japan, it's just it's treated very differently than it is here, so they yeah. get to do a lot more stuff like that. Yes, exactly, exactly, and I I love that. I wonder, like, what other? I'm trying to think of like other Pokemon they could do things like that for. I mean, I guess like. You, I guess you'd start with anything life-size would be cool, right? Like, they did the life-size Appleton, and they did a... They did do a life-size Snorlax, didn't they? Just, like, a massive Snorlax. Yeah, it was, like, a big, like, beanbag chair type of thing. Yeah, and that actually works, because Snorlax... I know Snorlax is always portrayed as just absolutely enormous in the show, but I think its its official measurements aren't as big as it would seem. So, like, doing a life-size yeah. one, still really large, but not as, you know, massive as as, as you would think. But anything, yeah, anything life-size would be interesting. I feel like a good one would be, like, a Vigoroth, because it has, like, the weird <laughs> sort of floppy arms. Yeah. Or even just a Slack-Off would be funny, because it would it would be, like, a floppy floppy plush. It's almost like a body pillow. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anything long would be funny. A fur, Like, a life-size furret would be hilarious, because those things are actually huge. I think they actually have one of those. Did I they I do that? I think so. <laughs> brilliant. That's brilliant. <laughs> Yeah, anything that's a snake or snake-like would be interesting. Sandaconda would be really baffling because I don't even understand how that works <laughs> in universe. Yeah, th- there's just so many funny things they could do. Yeah, a phalanx would be pretty cool. Oh yeah, that would actually be really cool. 
Now I wonder if they would like connect them all or if maybe maybe they would have like Velcro or like some way to attach them but detach them as well. That I think yeah. that would be the way to go. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just excited to see what they come up with next because that was the funniest thing and and a a beautiful piece of joy that I feel like everybody needed. <laughs> right, and the fact that it sold out so quickly means they probably will make more. <laughs> I sure hope so. Goodness. <laughs> All right. Well, we've been we've been hinting at it, but I would love to talk more about the trading card game just generally, but also specifically with regards to like your experience with the trading card game. We didn't talk a whole lot about it the first time we chatted because we had a very specific thing we wanted to talk about. But uh, I've I've been wanting to talk to you about it because it's an area that I am no longer very familiar with and realize I haven't been familiar with for a very, very, very long time. Because my my I, I looked to check. I wanted a reference point. I was into the Pokemon trading card game for only a tiny amount of time, maybe like a year based on the expansions. Because I think the last expansion I remember buying stuff from without a break in between was probably like Team Rocket. Like that's probably as long as wow. I went buying stuff. And I was like, yeah, I played it for a while. I played it for, you know, for a decent amount of time. And then I looked and I was like, oh, that was a year. That was literally just one year. <laughs> Team Rocket, wow. Yes. So, and I've bought cards since, but that was sort of like when I first got into it to when I fell off of it. Right. Um, not, not you know, nostalgia or curiosity or like getting back into collecting or whatever. So right. that's <laughs> to give you some context of, of, of my, my relationship. Um, but what, I guess what's, what's you, I mean, we talked a little about your Pokemon origin story in general, the first time you and I talked, what's your TCG origin story? Like, how did you get into the cards? Were you competitive from the beginning or when, if not, when did you get involved in that? My first set I started with was base set when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, it was, you know, it was all the rage. Everybody had them and it was something I loved. And I, I actually played, I collected and play. I, I played back then, but not competitively. Mm -hmm. You know, I was young and nobody truly knew how to play the game really <laughs> besides, you know, a handful of people. Yeah. Um, so you kind of make decks and you, you pick people based off of whoever the most HP and the biggest attack. You didn't really think of strategy or anything. Yeah. Um, you know, as an adult, I look back at that stuff and there's definitely decks people played that were better than others. And there was a competitive scene just as a kid. I never got into it. I was more, I was more a collector than anything. Yeah. I think that's why I sort of fell off because first and foremost, I was collecting them and I did play that, like play them, but I played it casually with the friends of mine who knew how to play and with my little brother. And that was pretty much it. And since I never got competitive, I think there wasn't as much of a motivation to stick with it because the motivation when you're not competitive is just to buy them. You know what I mean? Like you're just, right. just purely collecting. And I don't think I was old enough necessarily to maintain that. Uh, and I think that's probably a big piece of it. But do you remember, do you remember you said your first set was base set? Do you remember like what your first card was or the first like deck or like what was the first what was what were your firsts because i remember a few of mine so um i got a couple of the um starter decks like yeah a, the, it had machamp uh, the first edition machamp in it yep um that was the first thing i had um, that was the first card i had because i think i had a friend who had that deck or must have gotten maybe maybe he and his siblings got multiples or something so that machamp was the first card i ever had because a friend gave it to me <laughs> 
Yeah, that that Machamp is interesting because like it was only ever made in first edition, and it only came in that starter deck. So when people look back at it, because it, it's technically part of base set, but mm-hmm. it never came in base set itself. That's so weird. Yeah, it's a little weird. But So that was the first thing I had, but the first big card I ever pulled out of a pack was Gyarados. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a hollow, and it was just like, I was so excited. I still remember, I was so excited to pull it. That's so awesome. I uh I think the first I think the first starter deck I had was there was there a starter deck that featured Mewtwo? Yes. Um that was what they call there was one that had Pikachu and one had Mewtwo. I think they came out at the same time. That sounds familiar because what I was thinking in my head, I had it sort of like conflated because I was thinking like something that involved psychic and, and electric, but I it I didn't think it made sense in my head for them to be the same deck. So I couldn't fully like parse out my memories there. But I do remember the deck with a Mewtwo, and I'm pretty certain that was the first starter deck I bought. I even remember, like, the mall I bought it at, the store that I was at, who I was with. Like, I, I have a pretty bad memory, but there are certain things that that just sort of, like, are momentous occasions, and that was definitely one of them. Yeah, back then, I'm pretty sure they put them out in, like, for each set that came out, I want to say there was two starter decks for each set that came out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to say those are the two that came out for base set. Nice. that's awesome do you so i guess competitive wise like when did you said you played it with friends or you played it sort of casually but when did when did that sort of transform into something more competitive when did you start dabbling in that and how did you get into it it was actually a long time from when i started collecting until then Mm -hmm. Um, i've only been playing competitively for probably about seven years now okay but before that i i just collected um i kind of got into it because i i had met my wife and she wanted to learn more about it because I liked the cards. So she mm-hmm. started playing with me and we just started playing a whole bunch. And I was just like, you know what? I want to try this. Sure. And I just, I went to a regional. A regional was the first thing, which I'm sure you don't know what that is, but it's like, uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty big tournament. It's not, it's not a local tournament. Um, so it's like three steps up from the bottom, I guess you could say. Okay. It was nine rounds. I went three, three, three. I played a, uh, a random non-meta deck that I loved that I just had a lot of practice with and I had the time of my life. Does that just mean like one you put together without thinking about like the game at large? That's exactly what it is. So okay. like it was a Garchomp deck that like I had seen some some like random YouTube videos about people playing it <laughs> and I and I just I just loved it and I brought it with me and sure. I played it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have to imagine that so she said that was like three steps up, right? So there's like this sort of like tiered system of competition. Mm-hmm. how i mean it would would playing with a deck like that at a regional be like unheard of or do do people sort of stumble their way into the situation kind of like you did with like i'm here with a deck that i like so you can you can do that so there's local tournaments they're called pokemon challenge challenges and then there's cups after that and those two are played in local stores okay i've probably seen those to be honest because i feel probably. like i feel like it's not super uncommon to to find those but i guess i guess a a store could just do that and not have it be an official event right like how does that right how does that work does do you have to register the the event so the stores have to have a pokemon league um the pokemon league is meant for free play for all ages to go in and to trade and play and do everything in the store almost to foster a community within the store gotcha um and then once you've had a pokemon league for a while you have they allow you access to sanction challenges 
And then once you've done challenges, which are smaller, very like small, they're almost made for people of the Pokemon League to have a competitive tournament. Mm -hmm. And then you have Players' Cups, which are a step up, and those usually gather more people. Each one of these tournaments, uh, the winners receive championship points. Above that is a regional, and you get more points. And above that is a um, international event, which there's one on each of like the big continents, like uh, North American, South American, Oceania, and European. Each one has a uh, intercontinental. It's a huge tournament. Mm-hmm. And then above that is Worlds. So Worlds is the only one that you can't just walk in and play. <laughs> sure. Um, <laughs> Wait, you can just walk into a continental? You can. What? That seems wild. How would you do that if you haven't been haven't been like uh, for lack of a better term qualifying? How does that work? So all you have to do is register for it. And That's you can play. wild. <laughs> wow. Okay. The the Pokemon system is really just made up so that all the other tournaments leading up to Worlds, you're gathering championship points so that you qualify for Worlds. Okay. Gotcha. So I'm guessing that the level that you're playing at dictates how many points or qualifying points you're earning for Worlds. Like if you walked into a, a Continental and did well, that would probably earn you way more points <laughs> than walking yeah, into if, a Regional. <laughs> it, if you win an international event, you I believe it's 500 points gets first place and it's 500 points to qualify for Worlds. Wow, uh, that's so, wild. So you yeah, can walk into a Continental or an international event and basically qualify in one go. I mean, obviously you're playing more than right. one game. It's not like Yu-Gi-Oh! where you just are like, I'm the best because I beat somebody who's good. Um, yeah, but uh, I'm talking about the show before like all the people who play <laughs> the actual card game come for me. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's it's very unlikely that you're going to walk into some of these big events with a untested deck of and course. really win. But yeah, I guess it, if luck is on your side, you could, right? <laughs> if it were an anime, it would happen. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Wow. That's, that's, that's interesting. That's cool though. I mean, I like that. I like the way that that's set up. That's really neat. I like that it does sort of go down so far to like a local level that again also makes it feel like a much more accessible thing. Now with some of those things, if not all of them transitioning to a virtual stage, I mean, I guess I probably can predict the answer, but like that's gotta be hurting the stores on top of how they're probably already hurting, right? Yeah, so that that's the thing, I guess, is um, with these tournaments that are in stores, it, it brought in a crowd, and obviously it brought in revenue for these stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and they obviously haven't had it because there's no in, in-person events. Right. Um, the, the thing I, I mentioned earlier, I as a TO, I ran a Pokemon team challenge yesterday. Yeah. Um, this, is, this is Pokemon's attempt to help the stores essentially okay yeah tell me about that so the way it runs is there's four qualifying rounds and the winners of each qualifying round create a team and that team will represent the store in the next round so it almost puts the store's name out there oh um, that's cool and and it gets the store involved a little bit more it's not it's not perfect a perfect system or anything like that um but it is something for pokemon kind of be like we haven't forgot about you guys right we're not trying to replace you (laughs) we haven't you know we haven't cast you aside entirely that's cool okay now so you mentioned team right like what you were doing was Mm -hmm. a so i guess is that 
No, I, I don't fully understand like how the team works. Like, is it literally sort of like the equivalent of like an esports team where you have like an actual group of people who are all representing that store? So I'm not going to lie to you, Doug. I don't fully understand it either. (laughs) (laughs) It's very new. It sounds like. (laughs) Yeah. So, so this is the first time they've ever done anything like this and there's not a ton of information out there. Gotcha. Um, So, so from running it, I've run all four qualifiers and I have four people who have won the qualifiers. Okay. So these four people are going to be now a team in the next next round. Gotcha. So their team, whatever your store is, and then they represent the store to move on to the next qualifier. And I don't really know how the, or the next round, I'm not really sure how the next round works to be completely honest with you. Um, Sure. I think they're going to release more information about that soon, but that's really the gist of it as right now. Not going to lie, dude, this does sound like an anime. Like this, <laughs> you could literally make like a spinoff <laughs> of Pokemon that is just based on the card game and like getting to worlds, especially because like I'm just imagining, you know, I was just watching, um, I was watching the show Haikyuu for the first time, mm-hmm. the volleyball anime. Yep. And a big premise of that show is that two rivals have to play together. And I'm just sitting here thinking like, not that the four winners necessarily played each other, but they don't choose each other either. So like, right. it's this perfect sort of dramatic situation where you might all four of you be on the same team representing the same store, but maybe you've had run-ins before or you play in the same circles or you're friends or you've you've clashed a bunch of times. Like, it's, it's all right there. It writes itself. Yep. <laughs> it's amazing. I'm kind of into this. This sounds really cool. <laughs> yeah, it's, you know it's not perfect and the players cups aren't perfect and all this stuff isn't perfect, but it really shows on Pokemon Zen that they're trying. Yeah. They're trying to keep people engaged. They're trying to keep people in the game. They're trying to keep the stores engaged. That's really all anyone can ask in a weird time like this. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. And I think just showing you're trying speaks volumes because you so easily could just not do that. You know, Um, I think it's, it would be really easy and I know it's financially beneficial for them to try, but it could it would be really easy for them to just lean on the circumstances and say, sorry, like there's nothing we can do. So just to try, I think I think is a big, big deal. Right. So what is your what is your role in in running these things? Like, are you just sort of supervising them or is there sort of an organizational aspect that you have to be on top of? It's a small store and we have a small league, so I'm the only judge and or tournament organizer for the store. Gotcha. Um, the The two owners are, are my friends and they never really did Pokemon before this and they they asked me if I could help them out and oh, cool. start something up because they wanted to foster a community of Pokemon in, in their store. Yeah. And, and it's a good crew and I'm the one who communicates with the Pokemon company to get promos for the league and show what participation we have every month when times were normal. And I'm the one who sets up each one of the tournaments and runs them. That's so awesome. And I can already envision, again, now that I'm I'm stuck on this idea of, like, the anime built on this, I can already envision your role in all of this. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool, though. That's, that's really awesome. Yeah, Is I that, like it. I feel, so were, you were doing, were you, you were doing this before quarantine, though, right? Like, you were doing this yep. prior to it being virtual. So when it was not virtual, was all of this happening concurrently and you were overseeing the whole thing versus virtual where i imagine you have like things have to be broken up or has it always been pretty segmented so that you can focus on just one thing at a time 
Yeah, so the way it was working before quarantine is um, every week, a week um, on Sundays, we would have Pokemon League. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once a month, we would have a um, challenge, which is the small tournament. So every month we do that. And then uh, we were actually working towards having cups because if you're small, you have to work towards them and show you have like a sure. player base before they allow you to have bigger tournaments. And the month that quarantine started was the month we would have had cups. Which oh, stinks, no. But... <laughs> yeah, that was almost a year ago at this point. That's wild. Yeah. Yep. Which um, Pokemon Company has said, um, the people I've talked to has said, nothing is going to set you guys back once we get back to normal and stuff. And That's you'll cool. still have the same access to everything you did before. That's cool. Man, what an operation. Because it's a worldwide thing, right? That's, I mean, that's that's incredible. Yep, it's pretty cool. Is it is it consistent across the board? Like, is this like the system that you're operating within? Is that the same system they would operate within in Oceania, in Europe? You know, like across the world. Like, is there somebody like you in Australia? So yes and no. Um, okay. The basis of the TO or judges at local stores is the same. The points different are different as you get like higher up. Sure. So places like Europe, you need less points to qualify for Worlds than here. Um, okay. Just because the nature of societies are different. So okay. we have a lot of stores around here that will hold Pokemon events. So you can go around to different tournaments in a weekend and play in more than one. Oh, and that's, okay. You know, in in the Midwest, it might be a little different because sure. not everything is close by. Um, but if your city doesn't have a, a store or you have to drive an hour to get to one, it's a little different. You know what I mean? Of course. Yeah. But it's huh. the same basic concept, man. This I'm, I'm kind of obsessed with this now, Josh. Like this is, this is fascinating. Like <laughs> this is really, really interesting stuff. And I just had no concept of it. Like I had no idea how any of it worked. I kind of assumed, I guess I don't know what I assumed. Like I knew that people played at an international level and at the world level, but I guess I never really thought about how you got there from from just starting. And it's such a massive system. Yeah, That's so each, cool. Each level of tournament has different point values for getting whatever place you get. And then you, you got to essentially everybody has to get enough points to qualify for worlds. That's that's really the the brass ring. Huh. Now have you competed? Like have you I, I don't know what your if there's if there's any anything restrictive about being a TO and competing, but like prior to that or or well, if if you're allowed, have you competed in this in, in any of these levels? I know you said you went to a regionals, but like how involved did you get in the competitive aspect of it? I actually play competitively pretty regularly when okay. uh, we can. I don't so I do a lot of local stuff, but I don't really um, judge anything higher. Like I don't do anything regional or higher, um, just because I'd rather play. Sure. So I usually go to about two regionals a year. Okay. And I normally don't go to Worlds just because it doesn't work out with my family schedule. Because mm-hmm. um, it's it's usually in August every year. That's a rough time to host stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, the, the competitive Pokemon season runs from September to August. So. Huh. Okay. I mean, I guess it's almost year long. So like there's never going to be a perfect time. But that is that is a rough start time. So this okay, this won't mean anything to me necessarily. But I do think if people notice that we were talking about TCG, they would be interested to know what decks do you like now. Like what is like what do you gravitate towards? Because you said you had a non-meta deck when you entered your first regional. I imagine that is not the case anymore. When I was playing in actual tournaments, I always play meta decks just because it's. It, 
if you don't play a meta deck, it's 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 really hard to win. Essentially, totally. I mean, anything I've watched of the VCG is like that. Like you see the same right. Pokemon because there's certain things that are competitive. So that makes sense to me. Right. There's a reason why those decks win. You know. Yeah. But I 100% always gravitate towards non-meta decks. Um, I I still love playing them because they're different you know you can go to a tournament and play the if if I'm at a regional playing nine rounds I could play the same deck two or three times you know and I would rather see a different deck every time I have to imagine also that even if even if there is a meta and even if there are certain decks that are sort of more competitive objectively that encountering a non-meta deck probably throws you off a little bit <laughs> like because mm-hmm. you can't know it as inside and out as you would a meta deck that you've studied so i feel like there's still sort of this wild card aspect to a non-meta deck that probably makes things fun as a player and as a as an opponent absolutely there's there's always this give and take like um there's always like two or three decks that are always considered quote unquote the best mm-hmm. and you can create a deck that's a hard counter to those decks but the problem is, is if you create a hard count and say to two out of the three, that third one's always got to get you. Sure. Um, but you can have fun along the way, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if you're not, why do it, right? <laughs> exactly. I, I think sometimes people lose lose that aspect because they, they just they get into the winning and losing. But it's always good just to remember that it's it's you're there for fun. You yeah. Know? Yeah, totally. So I mentioned that the last time I was paying attention to the card game (laughs) from a playing standpoint, outside of just like, I feel like collecting now, because I I had that little phase too. Like when Kyle and I just started the podcast, both of us were like, we're going to start collecting cards again. But even when I was doing that, I wasn't playing. I mentioned to you that I kind of like popped into the online interface, but I really haven't, haven't played a whole lot um, since I was playing as a kid. What would somebody like me <laughs> be most surprised to see if I just like tuned in to a tournament now? Because I know the game has changed drastically, right? Yeah, it's probably the power creep, honestly. You know, the <laughs> the, the V Maxes in the in the um, tag teams. Yeah, they have two hundred eighty, three hundred, three hundred twenty. <sighs> Yeah, HP that's incredibly high. Um, the power creep is just incredible compared to what it was. That makes sense to me because it's sort of the same principle as a lot of things, right? Like once something becomes strongest, something else becomes stronger, and then everything just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Like like in video games or like in comic books or whatever the case may be. Do you think there will eventually be – reinvention is the wrong word because they can't get too far away – but like, is there ever going to be like a reset on that, do you think? Or have they already done that before? So I think we're kind of, the format we have right now, the two big concepts are V and VMAX and then tag teams. Tag teams came out and they were basic Pokemon that had 240 to 280 HP. Yeah. Um, and they were incredibly powerful. And I think that was a step too far. <laughs> Basic Pokemon meaning that you don't really have to do anything to play them. Like, if you have them, you can play them, right? Yeah, you play them right down from your hand. There's no evolving, nothing. Dang. And then when Sword and Shield base set came out, um, they introduced Pokemon V and then V Max. Um, To get to the V Max, you have to put down the V. Like, if it's Dragapult, you put down Dragapult V, and then you place Dragapult V the next turn on top of that to evolve it. And while those have gigantic HPs, like 340 HP, 320 HP... Sure. 
Um, I think the fact that you have to evolve it kind of nerfs it a little bit, and I think that's perfect for those type of Pokemon. Um, I think it's a good drawback considering what the tag teams were. So I think with next rotation, the tag teams will all be gone. I think it's the the meta will be in a uh, the game state in itself will uh, be in a better spot. As somebody who hasn't seen any of this play out already, I can kind of see the advantage to the V system or the VMAX system because with with the tag teams, there was nothing for your opponent to be able to anticipate. Whereas if you're putting down, if I'm understanding correctly, you put down the V card, right? And then mm-hmm. they know that you at least could go further with it. So there's at least some sort of anticipatory element. Whereas you could just slam down a tag team and be like, bam, there it is. Yep. Deal with it. <laughs> the um, the VMAXs are essentially like Dynamaxing. Sure. Have they always kept some sort of analogy to the core series gimmick in the card game? Like, was there an equivalent? To, I know there's there's got to be an equivalent to Mega Evolutions, right? I... Yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, Mega Evolutions were, were a big thing for a long time. Um, it's almost just like the Vs, except for... Um, you needed spirit links. So there was a there was a stipulation with Megas that if you evolved it into a Mega Pokemon, your turn ended. Um, the reason they did this is because at the time, Mega Pokemon were incredibly powerful. Sure. Um, so it was almost like a way to keep them in check. You know what I mean? You had to have this item card attached to your Pokemon or your turn ended. Yeah. So, <laughs> so Tag Team came out just with like no check or balance to it? Or, or is there something nope. that... That's wild. That's so yeah, weird. It's, it seems to go against game theory entirely. <laughs> yeah. Two two of the um, major decks, the two best decks right now, are based around tag team Pokemon. And that's technically like a last generation gimmick, right? Because V and VMAX is the current sort of thing. Yep. That's Yeah, see, that that alone I feel like is telling. Now, was there, was there anything regarding Z-moves? Because that's a totally different part of the game is the actual like attacks and stuff. So they sort of had something. Um, they had um, it was a trainer card that had a powerful attack on it, so you would okay. attach it to a Pokemon. And like one of them was for tackle. So if the Pokemon knew tackle, oh, and you attach this to it, I want to say it was like three energies. It did like two hundred damage. It, it never really got used, honestly, because sure. it was just a little too hard to get off. You know, it what sounds I mean? like a lot of build up that you would have to sort of accomplish. <laughs> right. But that really was it for Z moves. Huh? I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the idea of it. Cause I like, I like seeing how they're translating these concepts into a totally different format, whether, whether it works or not. Um, yep. I think it's still interesting to see how they, how they try. There's actually, there's, some, there's something they teased a little while ago called V Union. We don't know anything about it besides the name oh. V Union. Um, my thought is it's <laughs> probably going to have something to do with Calyrex and the horses, but I don't know. That makes sense to me. Because it's the only, I mean, that's the only, is it the only? I'm trying to think. Is that the only Pokemon that's really sort of like a fusion? Um, there's, there's, um, the oh, black there's and the white, black and white um, stuff. Uh, the Kurum, yeah. Yeah. Um that's right. Good call. Um wow, that's wild that, that that it took that long for them to do another one after. Oh, I guess Sun and Moon did it a little bit too, right? But that's sort of different. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's probably good that they they use it so sparingly and it, it's only in in sort of legendary circumstances. But uh okay, interesting. Can they build an entire mechanic around that in the card game if there's so few Pokémon that use that in lore? Sometimes they do only a few sets with things. Like prison yeah. cards, I want to say, were three or four sets. 
maybe three sets. But that was a mechanic that wasn't around very long. Same thing with Pokemon Break. That was really in just Breakpoint and Breakthrough for the most part. That sounds familiar. And I think I probably had... That sounds familiar because I think that probably was a set that I was collecting. Was that was that around when um, like the Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire sets were happening? Because that's no, when I was, was collecting later. stuff. Okay. Um, those were the X and Y sets. Okay, gotcha. So does each... Do these sort of generational mechanics, do they end up introduced in the base set or is it something that's used as sort of like, I guess like a new, like does it invigorate the set or does it come out with that first base set each generation? So like Pokemon V yeah. and VMAX, it was first introduced in Sword and Shield base set. Okay, right so, off the bat. Yeah. So usually whenever they come out with a new, um, like before that, it was GXs and then they changed them over to Vs. So they're gotcha. they're... They're essentially the same thing, but it's just like <laughs> the V is from this set, this block, and GX from this block. Essentially. Okay, gotcha. Woo! Yeah, I, it, it would be it's so interesting for somebody. <laughs> but they also, I mean, they retire, they retire sets and mechanics and cards and stuff like that, right? So it's not like you have to know every card from Blastoise number two to now. <laughs> right. They do a yearly rotation. Okay. Gotcha. So, so somebody who's just getting into it really could start and just make sure that they know what the rotation is, as opposed to having to learn twenty some years of of strategy and meta and all that. Right. So the current rotation is um, it's team up on. Okay. So the set team up until now. Okay, that makes sense. Then what you were saying next next rotation they would introduce something new and probably knock off the last thing. Yeah, we okay. don't really ever know what the rotation's going to be, but most likely it'll be Sword and Shield base set on, just because that's where they put the new mechanics into place. I know that they, at some points, will like re-release sets, <laughs> or they'll do like almost what feels like a nostalgic thing. Didn't they do that within the past, I don't know, like five years, where they basically were like, here's base set one all over again. Yeah. Do those end up entering into the rotation when they do that, or is that purely like a fun collector thing? No, it's in the rotations. Um, the set was Evolutions. It's not in the yes! rotation anymore. But uh, when they release a set, anything is playable as it's a new set. Evolutions actually had a huge price increase um, within the past year. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, there's been a weird thing happening with the collector market of Pokemon within the past year. It's actually skyrocketed. Hmm. Everybody kind of started buying up and then a famous YouTuber opened up a booster box of base set and it kind of pushed pokemon back into everybody's minds again Interesting. so you'll notice if you go to a target or walmart right now pokemon section is probably decimated wow be- because everybody is just buying everything up as a long-time collector it's actually been very hard for me to find the past two sets in store weird that's wild especially for recent stuff yep um, I think it's because people don't necessarily understand how the collector market works. They sure. just know Pokemon cards are going crazy and they want it. <laughs> so are they are they snatching up like like for example like one of those big boxes and they're just sitting on them or like what <laughs> what are they doing with um, them? <laughs> they uh it seems like people are trying to resell everything and then with individual cards they're getting them graded. Um there's grading services that like will enca- encapsulate it in plastic and tell you like the condition of it. It's so funny you mentioned that because I just encountered, I was like looking through the news and I saw some story about like 
super rare Blastoise card auctioned off in a few days, currently at $14,000 or whatever. And so I went to this website and it was just, I was like, I mean, obviously all the stuff I was looking at was like from that base set, that first edition base set. But uh, I was, I was a little bit surprised at how, how massive some of the prices and, and stuff still were. And yeah, all the stuff was in those little cases that you're talking about, the graded graded yep. cases, which I guess I could have guessed they did for cards, but I, I only really knew they did it for comics, but it makes sense. They would do it for cards too. Yep. It, it's been, it, it's been weird as a collector and fan of Pokemon this past year, because the, the sets themselves, the sealed product has been hard to find, but a lot of the cards in the set aren't necessarily expensive. Mm-hmm. I think because there's those couple, people are buying everything up. But also, I was at a Target recently buying some stuff I needed, and I figured, why not? I'll go look and see if they have any Pokemon cards. I get over there. The entire section is empty, except for there was one guy standing there holding a starter deck, which is not worth anything. It's a starter deck. <laughs> and he, I see him scrolling through eBay looking at prices on it. And that's how I kind of started to figure out, like, it's not people that know the game. It's just investors. Sure. That's when you almost want to sit there and be like, hey, just so you know, (laughs) it's not going to get you much, buddy. (laughs) It's like crazy. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I hopefully that hopefully that's like you said, it seems like a recent thing in recent years. Right. So hopefully that sort of subsides a little bit. Yeah. It's really started over the past year. (sighs) Well, hopefully. hopefully, Yeah. Hopefully it's like a pendulum swing and it'll swing back. I'm sure it will. Never swing back in this direction again. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it will, though. Well, I guess, you know, if there's somebody like me or somebody who's never played the I mean, at this point where the game is at, it's it's almost worth saying I never played. But uh, mm-hmm. if if somebody like me or somebody who's never played is curious about it and wanted to dabble, like what's the best way for them to sort of dip their toes in or explore the game to figure out if it's something they'd be into? Um, so I actually have great answers for this. Uh, <laughs> I... Uh, I get a lot of new players into the Pokemon League when we were having it. Yeah. And this is always a question they get because they, you know, they opened up a bunch of booster packs and just like the characters. What do they do next? And they're like, um, what now? <laughs> Pokemon makes starter decks. Each set that comes out, there's like two or three or so of the starter deck. The new starter decks they make are perfect for new players. They have some competitive cards in them as long as as well as having just basic cards that anybody can learn from. The starter decks come with Damage counters, rule books to tell you exactly how to do it, and play mats that on the play mat it tells you the turn sequence and everything. Those are they're so pretty, great. They're pretty fantastic. And then they have a code card for that starter deck that you can go online and use it as well. Oh, nice. The Pokemon trading card game online is really good for new players as well. If you don't have physical cards or whatever, you, you can go on there and play for free. It's perfect. The whole first part of the game, when you first download it, is a tutorial to show you exactly how the game works. And they, they, um, the, like, booster packs and stuff come with basically, like, a digital booster pack as well, right? Like, if you were to get a booster pack, they come with a QR or something like that that you could redeem for a virtual booster. And it wouldn't be the same cards you just got, right? Because it's still random. No, it's it's random, yeah. Every single booster comes with those QR codes that you can use on your online account. That's really, really cool. (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's pretty accessible to almost anybody at this point um they've even started putting out these things called battle decks like i was saying before one of the big tag team decks like a lot of people consider it the best deck in format right now mm-hmm. uh adp zashian 
they just released a battle deck, which is a pre-made deck of this deck. <laughs> um, and it's and it's not a hundred percent competitive, sure. but it's like seventy five percent there. <laughs> huh. I I've seen um they also do don't they do like champion decks where they'll like uh they'll release like the deck of either like world champions or like top competitors or whatever. Yep. After worlds every year, they com- uh, they put out four worlds decks for that year that are, uh, they take them from all three, the junior, senior and master leagues. And uh, they pick four decks and they print them. Um, those aren't competitively used because they have like a, the signature of the person who won on the cards. Sure. Um, printed on them. Oh, so wow. So they're fantastic for new players to learn how to play the game, but you yeah. can't use them in an actual tournament. Huh. So each, I did not know that. So each card has the, the player's signature printed on yeah, the card? Yeah, so, so it's like printed in the corner of the card, yeah. Whoa, that's that's really cool. <laughs> and they, they have different backs on them too. So the back of the card isn't the normal oh. Pokeball. It's um, It's like the logo for the worlds that year. Oh, I didn't know that. That's yeah. that's a huge difference. <laughs> They're pretty uh, cool for huh. collectors, honestly. Yeah, well, and like you said, for a beginner to sort of, if you if you were a beginner and you had a base deck and or like a starter deck, right, and that's sort of like where you started to learn stuff. I imagine if you got one of those worlds decks, it would sort of introduce you to a different kind of strategy than the the st- the starter deck would. At least I would imagine that would be the case. It's going to show you who. The person who literally won Worlds in the deck they did it with, it's going to show you how they did it. That's awesome. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, all. I think there was, didn't they just release some sort of um, card-based, almost like board game that is also meant to sort of teach you the basics of the card game? I, yeah. I Because I think, I think my niece got that for Christmas, maybe? I don't, I'll have to check in with her. But they, it seems like they're making like a concerted effort to... And it makes sense, obviously, like financially, longevity-wise, and just, you know, for the scene. Uh, it seems like they're constantly thinking of different ways to sort of onboard new players. Yeah, it's it's interesting because when I first started playing, it was incredibly difficult to get your hands on some cards sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or you pay big money for them, essentially. Yeah. Um, now to be a competitive player, like I was saying before, that ADP Zashian deck, if you went out and bought two of those battle decks at a Target or Walmart, if you could find them you literally could walk into a regional and play with it (laughs) because that's just a good deck. Yeah. You know, they did the same thing for the Pikachu Zekron deck, which is another huge deck. They have one of those as well. I think they're making it. So if you want to get into competitive, you can do it. It it feels way less intimidating than when, and part of this is me being an adult versus being a kid, but it feels way less intimidating than when I was a kid and, you know, you would walk into a store and there was a competition happening or I went to this big, huge event. I don't even remember what the event was. Um, I wish I did, but some sort of event or it felt huge at the time as a child um, at like a local mall. And and it was just it was so much to take in that even if somebody said, like, do you want to play? I don't know if I would have said, yeah, you know, like I think it was just it was like a lot. But it's it's nice that there are so many different avenues it feels like to sort of dip your toes into and then sort of transition into a competitive competitive scene that's awesome yeah like pokemon even released i want to say it was last year or the beginning of the year before possibly they released this box set that literally had a bunch of energy a ton of 
staple supporters and trainer cards and then support Pokemon that are used in almost every deck. So if you were a new player and bought that, you're halfway there to having a competitive deck. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really, really cool. Because then it also it also eliminates some of the sort of uh, even just like financial barriers to entry. You know what I mean? Yep. Like obviously there's always a financial component you have to contend with. But if you're not making those standard things harder to get and you're making them easier to get, then yeah, anybody mm-hmm. can can prepare themselves accordingly. That's cool. Exactly. Nice. Well, is there anything else trading card related? I I need to know that anybody listening to this needs to know. <laughs> I don't know what that would even be, but. <laughs> I think if you like Pokemon and you want to get into it, the best thing you do is just start playing. Makes sense. Makes sense. <laughs> Well, cool. I uh, we've I think we've we've covered a lot, and, I, and I'm I'm so like I'm I'm not even kidding. Like I'm really fascinated by the structure of all this because I had no <laughs> idea it was structured the way it was, and it sounds really really freaking cool. <laughs> and I don't yeah. know if I'm necessarily going to end up you know getting involved in competitive play at all, but it's making me curious for what the scene nearby to me is. You know, because I do live near. Cleveland, which is a a metropolitan area, I have to imagine there is a scene. And so I'm now like curious as to where those things are and and, and what our probably little meager scene looks like around here now that I kind of know what to look for. So once like the world opens back up again and they start having physical events, if you go to Pokemon.com, on the top, they'll actually see Play Pokemon Events. It's a tab you can click on, and it'll actually give you a link on there to places around that whole Pokemon Leagues and the tournaments that are around. Oh, that's cool. It, it's really good, because so anybody who uh, signs up for a league or any tournament it is automatically, if it's sanctioned, it's automatically on the Pokemon website. Oh, nice. That's awesome. I, I can like imagine a few places that I think they might be and i'm very curious now to see if i'm like correct you know what i mean because like we don't have a ton of like games or comic shops or anything like that you would sort of initially think of but we have a couple and i i imagine that those aren't the only places that that would host those because those aren't the only places you can buy cards so i uh, i'm excited to check that out i'm sure that they probably still list stuff on the website so maybe i'll take a peek at that um sometime today so that's that's awesome well, thank you. I mean, that was that was really that was <laughs> that was really cool. Um, I now I'm going to to daydream about the Pokemon trading card game anime um, forever now because it it sounds too perfect to not exist uh, in somebody's <laughs> head. So that that is my new <laughs> that's going to be my new thing to to daydream about. But thank you so much for joining me, Josh. Um, th- this was really cool. I I feel like I learned. Uh, a whole freaking lot, <laughs> which is awesome. It was my pleasure. If people want to find you um, and and stuff you're doing or, or just thinking about or talking about or whatever, where can they find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter at Talking Tanuki. Or if you want, you can add me as Talking Tanuki on Pokemon Trading Car Online. Hey, there you go. That's nice. So you can, it has a social component to it where you can like add friends or like save friends for later to play or whatever. Yep. Uh, there's a whole friends list. If you add them in there, you can uh, play with them whenever. Perfect. Awesome. Well, I will check to see. Uh, I'll check to see if I can remember my account and and see if I can get my my username and and 
and put that out there too. But, uh, but yeah, thank you so much. Um, and thank you everybody for listening to this and for joining us on this wonderful adventure along the victory road for information on episodes and contests or to give us feedback on the show. Be sure to find us on Twitter and Facebook at victory road pod. And if there's something in the world of Pokemon, you know, a whole lot about, and you'd like to appear on the podcast, just let us know until next time. We're going to head back to the Pokemon center to work on our decks. See you later. Later. production of the Four Ride Radio Network. For other great shows, check out www.fourrideradio.com.